It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Google's vision for RCS hasn't materialized, but is it too soon to call it a failure? Probably not. Netflix reported its third quarter earnings is launching an ad-supported tier in November and is putting the kibosh on password sharing in early 2023. The Republican National Committee is suing Google for sending campaign emails to spam, even though Gmail filters reflect user reactions. And we discussed the new iPad 10th generation, M2 iPad Pro, and Mac OS Ventura's continuity camera. we got all this and more for you in episode 57 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Multiverse. Uh, I'm, my multiverse is colliding this week because we are the Tech John, but the guest host is my co-host for the Snob OS cast. So we just we definitely want to introduce Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. She was so nice to fill in for us. Stephanie had to step away for a second. So last minute we reached out to Nika and she kindly accepted. So like I said, my, my universes are colliding. So this is the, the tech snob OS or snob OS tech John. We'll, we'll figure out the name, but introducing <laughs> Nika Monford to the show. Hello. Good to be back. I was on a while ago. I think I filled in for you, Terrence. So it's oh, good yeah, to right, be back right. with the good folks over over here at the Tech Jump. Nika, I'm so happy to to have you back. And I'm also happy to just have tech friends in the world that know how to use a microphone and a camera. And you can ask them <laughs> at the very last minute. So how last minute was we, Terrence? What, Nika, you got what, about 40 minutes heads up yeah. before you showed up yep. on the show? So, yeah. yeah, we we really appreciate that. So, so y'all, uh, Stephanie had a last minute thing that came up. Um, so she had to duck out or like right at the last minute. So once again, Nika, we appreciate you joining the show. Sure. But uh, want to let everybody know that we, the Tech John, we are a podcast, but we do live stream this thing. So you can watch us on YouTube. And the way you do that is you become a patron of the tech john if you head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech john you can sign up and become a patron support the show we've got multiple tiers over there and one of the benefits you get on any one of those tiers is that you will get to join us as we live tape the the podcast and then of course you get to hang out with us after the show in our after party so once again head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech john and you know help support us over there and come hang out with us when we're actually recording so y'all, I wanted to kick the show off today with a, with a realization. And I know y'all are two snobs when it comes to everything, you know, Mac OS and iOS and all that kind of good stuff. So it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of fitting that I'm, that I'm having this, this come to Jesus meeting with, uh, RCS. Um, I have come to the realization that RCS, although it works and it does what it does just fine. It is yet another failure for Google when it comes to messaging. And here's the reason why I am all in on Android. Most of my family is all in on Android, but I found myself um, because we do have some family members who are, you know, the white sheep in the family and they don't use Android. They use Apple devices and they uh, because of that, I can't tell them to use you know, the Android messaging, I've got to go to like WhatsApp or go to Facebook or go to signal or go to something else. And if that's going to be the case, 
then RCS will never be anything other than this thing that actually kind of works, uh, you know, if you use an Android device that nobody really cares about and, and uses outside of, you know, folks who are just really, really, really into Google and seeing their products actually, uh, you know, do well until they don't or until Google decides to, you know, take them off the market. Um, so yeah, this is like, it's, it's, it's funny to me. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm having a conversation with someone. Um, and I couldn't tell them about RCS, even though they use Android, because I know that there are people in the group chat that, that we would, you know, get with that are not using Android devices. Therefore, I have to tell them to use something different. To me, that means RCS has failed. Well, I guess the question is, why is there such a push? Why is there such this big push for cross platform ultimately? Outside of, oh, we can all chat together. You can achieve that. You can do that. Now. It, like you mentioned, you do have to make one or two extra steps. You may have to get one or two people uh, or the, the people in your groups accustomed to a third party app. For example, WhatsApp, right? That seems mm-hmm. to be the popular third party app that everybody can use to cross platform message, right? Mm-hmm. That to me is enough of a reasonable facsimile to where you say, Oh, okay. I've got people with iPhones. I got people with Androids. All right. We just got to use WhatsApp. There mm-hmm. shouldn't be this kind of like, Oh, what are we going to do? When is Apple going to make iMessage uh, available for Android or when is Apple going to accept RCS or when is Google and or Android and or Samsung going to consolidate and make this big push to compete against iMessage? Why? I guess my question is, ultimately, are we just this competition thing to where it's like somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose, like Blu-ray versus HD, HD DVD and uh, eight tracks versus uh, eight bit and cassettes versus <laughs> mm-hmm. CDs. And, uh, you know, we've kind of similarly already have achieved this with streaming, like music streaming. Apple uses Apple music, you know, and then kind of like outside of that, everybody else uses a combination of Spotify, which low, uh, low key, if you didn't know, if you're an Android user, you can also use Apple music. That's a little low down uh, tip right there that people don't really know about. But most people either they're OK with Apple Music or a combination of Spotify, Tidal, something else, something else, something else. And we're kind of like, man, eh, that's fine. C- content creators, whether we be music, whether it, we're podcasts, right? We have figured out how to say find us on everywhere you subscribe to your podcast. That's a combination of Apple, Apple Podcasts. That's Google Podcasts, Spotify, that's all these other streaming things. And we kind of figure it out, right? Why we can't really do that. It's like, oh, oh, you know, we can't cross platform. So somebody sucks, right? (laughs) Just trying to figure out why is it such a push for that? Yeah. Is it really like a power play from like Google to just to say that they got Apple to acquiesce to something? Because it's one of those things where if you're Google and RCS is your jam, then hey, great for you. And if you have Apple over here with iMessage, that's their jam. Hey, good for them. It appears on at least on the outside that it's some sort of power play from Google because it's one of those things where they have this like huge push there doing these uh, promotions or these campaigns to try and almost shame Apple into adopting RCS and to what benefit does does that really have does that really add to them other than to say we got apple to come over and use a platform that we use i think there are potentially two times um when apple might actually implement rcs the first one is never <laughs> <laughs> and the second one is when the law tells them they have no choice but to and honestly, I don't see never coming anytime soon. And I don't see the law. Maybe in the UK, they might do something. But honestly, 
by the time that that happens, that that would actually, you know, go into effect. They may be onto the standard that comes after RCS. You know, who knows? I just don't think this is going to be the thing. But Terrence, to go and to answer your question, why do we need to have th- this thing? I, I, clearly, we don't. Um, because there isn't a thing as far as Google is concerned. Google has, um, you know, at every step, uh, just missed when it comes to messaging. Now, way, way, way back in the day when SMS and MMS were the thing, Google Hangouts kind of was like, this is, this is actually all right. It works. It does what it's supposed to do. But then when we came into these rich text messaging, you know, the iMessage type stuff, the WhatsApp messenger uh, type stuff, the stuff that RCS is able to do, um, you know, they became not necessarily platform agnostic. I mean, in, in some cases, they, uh, you know, they are WhatsApp, uh, Facebook Messenger. Uh, they don't care. They, you know, just install them. And as long as you've got data connection, they're going to work. But I think the mistake that Google has made is that they said, we're going to go with a standard that really is not necessary. So when you think about um, SMS, um, the reason everyone in the United States uses SMS and MMS for everything is because the carriers made it free. If you guys remember back in the day, you actually got charged for each and every single um, text message that you sent. And we got to a point to when um, the U.S. carrier said, nope, we're going to actually make it free. That didn't happen in the rest of the world. So basically what happened in the rest of the world, they figured out, well, how can we actually have these communications between folks without having to pay um, our carriers, uh, you know, a couple pennies every time we send and, and receive messages. And that's where applications like WhatsApp and Signal and Telegram and others. I mean, there's there's many, many others they've propped up. Clearly, WhatsApp has jumped to the top of the list. I believe that WhatsApp, um, there are more WhatsApp messages, messages sent every day than there are actual SMS messages sent every day. And it's been like that for years now. Uh, but other things popped up. So Google with their misses just, you know, year after year after year, just they just keep missing with all these things. Like I think the last one before the RCS thing was Allo. Allo just didn't work. Once again, it wasn't cross platform. It only worked inside of Google's, uh, you know, inside of Google's world. And I think maybe if Google, if they could have come up with something that was more of a you install this app and then anyone can use it. It doesn't matter if you're using an iPhone, a Windows phone back in the day, um, you know, or, uh, you know, or uh, clearly Android, it's going to work. Maybe they would have had a chance with that, but they, they didn't do that. They decided to, okay, no, we're going to go and, you know, and use like this standard that's going to replace SMS, not really thinking that, well, most of earth doesn't use SMS. So you're really solving a problem that they don't have. And then in the United States, it's like, okay, we're well, going to do this thing, but you've got to get Apple to play along with you if it's going to be of any use in the United States. And they didn't do that. So the fact that they, you know, they haven't been able to, you know, get Apple to come over. And I can't blame Apple. I hear people saying it's like, oh, Apple needs to do this to, you know, to have a better uh, experience. I think Tim Cook said exactly what he meant. You want to have a better experience by an iPhone <laughs> because you will if you do. We got a we got a pretty good experience over here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which kind of I guess which is the other half of it. Right. Is what is stopping Google or what is stopping Google from making a competing product? Yeah. What, what is, what is stopping them from making a competing product? However you want to do it is however you want to do it. Whether they use RCS, whether they use their own encryption network, I don't know what you would call it. I'm not a messaging dude, whatever you want to call it. What is stopping Google from being like, all right, we are going to get deep, you know, how, how did the young kids say it? Ten toes down, whatever they say. Um, and say, look, we are going to create the best possible messaging platform for Android users and then do that. And then let not necessarily let the chips fall where they may let the competition kind of steer itself, because if they really made a, in my opinion, if Google really sit down and said, all right, we've got something here that is the best possible experience on a Google, de- on an Android, not necessarily a Google device on an Android. And we're proud of this. I think people will automatically say, oh, this is better than iMessage. And then that'll force Apple to be like, no, it ain't. Or it'll force them to say, you know what? They've got some features over there that we need to adopt. And then boom, competition is good for the consumer. It seems like Google can't or won't do that and has decided to just 
take shots at Apple in hopes that they will unite, which is kind of, <laughs> which is weird, but I guess well, it is what it is. I think that's what they tried to do with RCS and, you know, with Android Messenger yeah. or Android Messages. I was about to say, I think it, this may be a little bit controversial, but it sounds like Google is trying to be a little cheap. They want <laughs> to keep the free stuff and then mm-hmm. have everyone else come over and join them rather than spending the time and the money to create their own messaging platform within their ecosystem. So like you said, what's stopping them from creating their G chat with the, with the yellow bubble and then it'll be mm-hmm. the yellow bubbles against the green bubbles blue, against the, against the blue, blue bubbles. bubbles and whatever WhatsApp is. I don't know if they're, uh, plant. They don't have bubbles. I don't plant, think. Well, yeah. They have something, something, you know, yeah. I don't know. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think that is what Google tried to do with RCS. And they, and I understand what they're thinking was, oh, well, you know what? SMS and MMS eventually are going to go away. Let's use the next standard because the next standard includes all this rich tech stuff that everybody loves iMessage for. It, you know, supports the groups, chats and all that kind of good stuff, or we'll make it support the group chats and all that kind of good stuff. And I think that that's what Google's initial thought was. Their mistake was you know, getting Apple here in the States to support it and getting anyone outside of the States to care. And I think that that's what the problem is. They've had so many misses that I think now, what you know, if Google's going to have a messaging platform, it can't be, as you say, Terrence, just create the best thing for Android users because that's, that's not going to work. Um, Android users are already figured out other ways. They've got to say, we're going to create the best messaging um, platform. Um, and it's agnostic. It doesn't matter. You can put it on an iPhone. You can put it on an Android device and it doesn't matter. This is the best thing. So they've got to create something that is as good as WhatsApp, as good as Telegram, as good as Signal, as good as iMessage that everybody can use. And they're not trying to run a standard that, you know, you know, maybe they're going to use some standard or something like that. I don't know, but it has to be something that, you know, that people are going to be just as happy to download and use, uh, you know, from the Apple store or from the app store as they would from Google play. And that's not even possible with Android messages. It's just like, you know, like you, if you're using, you know, if you're, if you're trying to send stuff to people through RCS, it's just not happening with them on an iPhone. And I think that that's the miss. It has to be something that's going to work for both platforms. So like I said, that, that, that is just me. I don't, you know, I'm not going to make us talk about it the whole show, but I've come to the realization <laughs> that yet again, um, this one is not working. And I don't want to say that it's no fault of Google. You know, Google has a lot of smart people. They probably should have seen that this was how Apple was going to respond to them um, in using this standard. It's like literally, uh, you know, Google say well, we we made this standards compliant. It's like this is not our stuff. This is this is you know this is the stuff that you know people have come together and said this is what we want Earth to use. And Google is you know and Apple is saying nah, we're good. <laughs> it is like you know. Go- and really, that's it's, it's really like the lack of yeah. innovation and the lack yeah. of forward thinking to say, hey, we can just use a standard and everybody will use it. Not everybody's going to follow the status quo. There are some some rebels out there who, you know, want to to step outside of the proverbial box and, you know, make something different. And it sounds like Google is trying to, I guess, punish in quotes uh, people for for their lack of, of, of foresight and vision. Again, could be a controversial statement. So, like I said, once again, uh, we've only been doing this show a year, so a little over a year. So we can't talk about all the, you know, we haven't had the opportunity on the show to talk about all the stuff that Google has done and failed with. Mm -hmm. But yet this is another one. (laughs) You know, this is another one. I feel like (laughs) DJ Khaled and another one. And it's like Mm -hmm. they just cannot get right when it comes to messaging platforms, because like I say, it's cool. But it's just not, it's just simply not necessary. And there's no way. And like I said, two times when Apple will adopt RCS, never or when the law says they have to. And I don't see either one of those things coming very soon. So y'all, for this next story, uh, we want to talk a little bit about Netflix. So I don't know if either of you got the opportunity to, to uh, pay attention to uh, Netflix's uh, Q3 quarterly earnings, but they actually beat the street. Uh, they added 2.41 million um, new subscribers 
uh, after two straight quarters of, of declines. I believe it was Q1 this year was the first time in 10 years that Netflix actually had lost subscribers as compared to adding them. But uh, they're doing a little bit better than the street. Um, so their stock prices, you know, shot up just a little bit. Um, I think it was up about 15%. Um, and you know, some of the big things that are coming out, you know, that have, you know, people have been talking about with Netflix is, uh, first is that they're going to make it so that you can no longer share passwords. Um, they started doing this in a couple of countries. I want to see here. Uh, I think it was like a coast, you know, some South American countries, I think Costa Rica. Yeah. I wrote yeah. them in here, but my writing is so small. I can't even read it, but, uh, Costa Rica, Chile. Chile and Peru. Right. So they, they're going to start doing that at the beginning of next year. And then the big thing that is coming out is that they have finally decided to do what everybody else is doing and add a ad supported tier. Um, so Netflix is thinking that their numbers are going to actually jump up to over four and a half million, um, you know, new subscribers, uh, here in Q4. And a lot of it's just going to come from people getting this ad supported tier. So, uh, you know, what say you? I know I, I am, I am a cord cutter. I no longer have cable television any longer. Um, I, I'm doing everything, uh, through streaming. Netflix is probably the service that I use the most. What, what do you guys think? Do, um, do, do you think that these, uh, these new things as far as, you know, getting rid of, uh, password sharing and adding an ad free tier is going to move the needle for, uh, Netflix? Yes, because people won't cancel Netflix. They say they will. They'll get on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and do all this complaining. But as soon as Netflix dropped the axe and really kind of like force people to create their own accounts, they'll do it. Now, some people will figure out another way around it. I mean, just that's just how technology is. You know, if there's a loophole, somebody's going to find it. Somebody's going to hack it or, you know, just we're just going to engineer a new way to utilize new Netflix to where somebody will, you know, skate on paying, but people not really going to cancel Netflix. So just to me, it seems like when Netflix just spooked people into thinking that they are going to start charging or figuring out a new way to get people off of sharing accounts, you see the numbers went out. That's my opinion. My opinion is, Netflix said they experimented, they publicized experimenting with charging people with um, extra password, extra accounts, two ninety nine. I think that was enough for people to say, all right, the bridge is over, <laughs> you know, party's <laughs> over. Let, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and uh, get this on account. And I think when Netflix pushed the envelope, pushed the envelope a little bit more, people are going to grumble. People are going to complain. But when they drop the axe, they'll comply. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, everybody talk cash trash on social media. I'm not there. What about people who have children in college who share account and they had all of these, you know, different reasons and excuses of why this is bad. But we see that the subscriber count still went up. And, you know, ultimately, people are so deep into the Netflix catalog because it is so extensive and it was one of the first on the block, you know, people, they're going to eventually ask, acquiesce. They're going to complain about it, but they're going to eventually acquiesce. And if this ad supported tier is cheaper, which I assume it would be for the fact that now you're getting ads and that's, you know, making up some of the revenue difference that people will, will get on board to, to pay a cheaper price. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at this and one of the things that uh, in one of the articles, uh, uh, one said that there are over a hundred million households who are sharing passwords, a hundred million households sharing passwords. Mm-hmm. Another one said there's about 115 million households sharing passwords. So you figure, let's just go with the hundred number, um, since it's a lower, if all of them, what the 299 option, that is $300 million a month. That uh, mm-hmm. Google or Google that uh, Netflix is going to, uh, you know, make now clearly we know that not everyone is going to do that, but could they get 10%? Could, you know, could, could 10% of the people that are uh, sharing passwords right now, will 10% actually say, oh, it's just easier to, you know, give you $3 a month and keep doing what I've been doing um, than to not have access to what I've been watching. That's still $30 million a month just by 
you know, making folks who are already watching Netflix pay significantly less than what they would pay if they were to actually get their own Netflix subscription. So I think that's part of it. Um, and I think, too, there were a lot of people who made a whole lot of noise about, um, well, if, you know, if, if if I can't, you know, share my passwords, then I'm going to cancel my account. But that doesn't really make a lot of sense because the person that's paying for the account clearly is paying for the account because they want to watch Netflix. So why would you stop watching Netflix that you're paying, that you're gladly paying your monthly fee for? Because somebody who's not paying for it can no longer watch it for free. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. You know, I thought about that. It's like, you know, um, you know, know, it made sense if you didn't think about it, but if you do, that makes no sense whatsoever. I'm, I'm going to stop enjoying the shows that I enjoy because you don't want to pay for, uh, you know, mooching off of me. That makes no sense. So I never thought that that was going to be a problem. I never saw, uh, Netflix losing significant numbers that mattered. Um, because people were, well, because I can't share this out. I'm, um, I'm no longer going to watch. Um, they've already figured out oh, the college thing. will you know, we'll, we'll cover that. You know, the, the, they've already figured that part out. So if you've got students who are like living in a dorm room or whatever, well, their IP addresses, you can tell they're coming from universities. Netflix has already said that they're not going to stop, you know, children from watching uh, Netflix while they're off at school. They've already said that they're not doing that. So I don't see that being an issue. So basically this is folks who have their own homes who are, you know, going to, you know, um, you know, be the ones who aren't going to be able to use this. And once again, they're not going to adversely affect the people who are paying for it. They're going to adversely affect the people who aren't paying for it. And all that could happen there is like, well, you're not giving me any money now. How can that adversely affect me? It, it doesn't. It's like, we're going to make you give us money that can only benefit Netflix. So I, I see this, you know, as, you know, as a plus and maybe like maybe it's, you know, I'm, I'm a certain age. I know that they say that uh, there's like a lot of millennials. Well, I'll get Netflix and you get Hulu and Disney uh, and then we'll swap and, and do stuff like that. Well, I guess this kind of, uh, you know, limits that except for the fact that Hulu already does that. Hulu doesn't let you watch from multiple residences. Um, and most of these other platforms don't allow you to do that. It really was Netflix was kind of the only one. So. I don't really see anything but good news, um, you know, for Netflix as far as this is concerned, because I mean, you know, they may have to continue to get better shows to keep people subscribing, but I don't see them having, you know, a problem with people canceling their accounts because the ones that were paying for it, why would they? It's like, it makes no sense that they would. Right. Um, they have hugely popular shows over on Netflix. So. I doubt people are going anywhere. They do. And like I said, they get 10%, another $30 million. I mean, you know, we, we throw these numbers out there lightly, but that's a lot of money. $30 million is a yeah. lot of money every single month. Uh, I mean, you're talking about $360 million a year. That'll buy a heck of a lot of content to, um, you know, to put on uh, Netflix. I know that, that th- those are some of the complaints. It's like, oh, well, all the good stuff is on Disney or all the good stuff is on these other things. They got another, you know, a couple hundred million dollars coming in every year. Um, they can probably put out some better product as far as the shows that they're actually producing. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So, Terrence, you actually started talking about this first thing this morning. I, I think the first thing I saw in our Discord was your post about uh, the RNC suing Google because Google is basically, you know, putting stuff in spam um, that is coming from um, them. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about uh, you know, about it's kind of ridiculous. This is the second time we've talked about this story, but go ahead and tell us about uh, the RNC suing Google over 
you know, spam. Right. So there ain't really much to talk about because Google, from what I understand, Google is not directly doing it. What is happening is the people who are getting all of this Republican political emails, whatever the case may be, all the recipients, what they're doing is they're putting all of this in spam folders, in trash folders, whatever they got to do to get it off of their main inbox. Google's algorithm is like, oh, so all of y'all doing this for this particular set of emails? All right. We going to learn this, you know, whatever the algorithm, Google's Gmail, the algorithm, whatever the people who are the recipients are training Google's algorithm to say, oh, okay, so if this and that and this and that and this and that is spam, then all this crap is spam. So we're going to learn. We just going to get we just going to move that stuff. So, (laughs) you know, I guess, of course, that seems to only be working in one way. You know, personally speaking, I wish it worked both ways, to to be honest. (laughs) But since the the Republicans seems to have um, picked up this mantle as far as what they think Google is doing, we talked about it earlier to where the um, Republicans were complaining now they've actually decided to, and they tried to propose a bill, uh, back in the day, but now I guess they decided that they wanted to actually sue, um, uh, Google for uh, saying that they have actually are the ones that are, uh, pushing their, uh, emails to spam. So I just thought that was interesting in the fact that, you know, of course, you know, um, I guess you could say, um, Google's algorithm maybe needs to be tweaked to it to uh, focus a little bit more on, you know, what people are doing, where they what they think they want to do. But I mean, technically, can you blame the algorithm for being smart enough to know that some of this stuff is just trash? <laughs> you know, on this it's show. It's taking human behavior and it's applying <laughs> it to it, right? Yeah. And right. instead of the RNC saying, hey, maybe we're either sending too many emails or maybe our message is trash is to go and complain. But people, people are actually moving your emails to spam. That's how the bot knows to move it to spam because the people whose email it is are actually doing that action. So on this show, we will always talk about algorithms not doing what algorithms do because they seem to adversely affect folks who look like us uh disproportionately mm-hmm. so this is one of them times when the algorithm is doing exactly what people wanted to do i don't mm-hmm. like this don't let it show up in my my in, you know in you know in my inbox any longer and it's not just one or 10 or a hundred or a thousand. Literally, it is hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people are teaching Google we don't want political ads in our inbox. So the algorithm is doing what it's supposed to do. But Terrence, you're right. We did talk about this back in May or June when Republican lawmakers, uh, they actually proposed a bill where they literally wanted to block email providers from, um, you know, from blocking political ads. They wanted to make sure that stuff showed up. Google did something that hardly anybody liked. They said, okay, we'll, we'll do that. Let's launch a pilot in August. All you've got to do is sign up and enter in the email addresses that your stuff comes from. So we'll know not to block it. And not a single person did, or I don't want to say not a single person, not a single folks that is, you know, part of this lawsuit did let's, let's say it like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that because I don't know that no one signed up. They just said that no one, um, you know, no Republicans actually signed up for this. So well, my- obviously, you know, they don't believe in personal responsibility. So mm-hmm. that's why they don't have to. What is, you know, it's do as I say, not as I do. I don't have to have personal responsibility to go and actually do the thing that I said that I wanted. Um, but I still want it done, but I don't want to have to do it. Well, I don't even think they wanted it done. I think they just wanted the, the pub, you know, mm-hmm. um, I guess they assume that, you know, Google is a part of the media since they run YouTube and they run Gmail and they run Google the search engine, right? So, you know, maybe they, the RNC, or who, I'm assuming the story says the RNC. So I'm just going to call it the RNC is labeling, you know, media um, outlets like Google in this case as left-leaning liberal media, that liberal media, media thing. 
Yeah, yeah. So they, they wanted that, that, um, good looking headline that liberal leaning media, big tech outlets are stopping, uh, the RNC from doing whatever they need to do. But they just really wanted the headline. They really didn't feel like they wanted to actually have any actions take place because that would involve actually doing work. So I don't know. Um, and that's, you know, <laughs> right, right. I, like I said, personally, I wish it would go work that way in general, but maybe it does. And maybe just maybe the Republicans may have to kind of tweak the emails that they send so it won't seem so trashy. <laughs> so the filter, the, the, the bots won't get it. I don't know. I mean, there's a way around it. It just seemed like they just wanted the headline and then that was it. Oh, you're, you're right. They absolutely just wanted the headline. You know, th- this is, and this is not even a right leaning thing. This is just politics. A lot of times in politics, you don't want to actually get anything done. You just want to argue about what's not getting done because that's what the right. news was, is going to cover. Or pretend if, like you're doing something. Yeah, if the it news, makes it seem like you're doing something. If the news was, uh, they introduced a bill. Google, uh, you know, said, Oh, okay. We'll acquiesce to that. You just need to, you know, basically put your email addresses into a, uh, into a no block list and we're good to go. If that was the news, we wouldn't be talking about it because there's no story any longer. The reason we're talking about it is that, well, they didn't do that. Their emails were still getting bounced, not bounced. They were still getting, um, you know, sent to spam. And now we're having this conversation. So I think that's part of it. But here's another thing. Um, you know, Terrence, when you put that in there, I just started looking at other things that were relating to this. So YouTube, um, recommends right leaning content regardless of your political, uh, alignment. And that's based off of a study, um, out of New York University Center for Social Media and Politics, which highlighted that YouTube's recommendation algorithm not only gently traps viewers into mild echo chambers, it's more likely to suggest conservative leaning videos regardless of your political alignment. So I, 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 read through this article twice to make sure I understood what was happening. So if you are really, really far left, you're still going to get really, really far left stuff. If you are really, really on the right, you're still going to get really, really right stuff. But regardless of whether you're on the right, the middle or the left, the recommendations that come to you are a little bit right of where you are. So, um, so ultimately over time, all of the content is being pushed, uh, you know, toward the right. This is specifically for, uh, YouTube recommendations. They also said that they found this, uh, you know, same type of scenario happening on Twitter. So what's really happening? And it's like, you know, um, when it comes to the algorithm that's making the decisions for you on as far as what it's going to recommend to you, that stuff is kind of leaning right. That's what the study is showing. When it comes to people are telling you what they don't want in their inboxes, that stuff is just like, we don't want political email because like I said, that, you know, um, it's not just, uh, I, I do believe that it is that, that you know, um, the studies that are saying that more email is being blocked that are coming from conservative, um, campaigns as compared to moderate or liberal. I believe that to be true, but I also believe that nobody wants any of this in there. And um, I just maybe if you're moderate or you're liberal, you just as you've been saying, Nika, you're just much better on figuring out the type of emails that people are going to be responsive to as compared to sending them stuff that they are going to mark as spam almost instantaneously. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So um, with this YouTube thing, um. I was reading something to where, you know, they talk, they mentioned echo chambers as well. Uh, they said, we found that YouTube's recommendation algorithm does not lead the vast majority of users down extremist rabbit holes, although it does push users into increasingly narrow ideological ranges of content in what we might call an evidence of a very mild ideological echo chamber. The academics disclosing report, uh, the Brookings Institution. So, um, I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> I believe that like YouTube. Smoke, either way, right? I believe that YouTube absolutely pushes people <laughs> down extremist rabbit holes. Now, you calling it a very mild ideological eco chamber? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if if I'm just if I just open up YouTube and just do a cursory look at what's all on my feed, and it, it includes a combination of channels I subscribe to content based on the channels that subscribe to and what YouTube recommends. Yeah. You want to cursory look at that. It may be a mild ideological eco chamber, but as soon as you start to get clicking 
YouTube kind of shifts. And this is the same for TikTok. This is the same for Instagram, almost even the same for Facebook, right? It starts to shift as soon as you click and click and click. And before you know it, you are down a rabbit hole. So I don't know yeah. what the, what the, what the barrier is between extremist rabbit hole and very mild ideological ego chamber, but I'm pretty sure that thing is thin. <laughs> right. And I think what these companies realized during the former guys campaign up through his time in office, I think they recognize that there is a certain block of people who will spend hours and hours on their platform watching these videos. And they realized what side of the aisle the people are on who are spending the most time on these apps, looking at these videos. And I think, just my guess, they saw that and said, well, Let's kind of slowly feed them more to keep them on even longer because we know that their tendency is, is once they get on here and they start looking at some of these videos, they just get deeper and deeper and deeper and spend more and more time. And that helps us on our clicks. So we're going to, you know, try and shift people into that direction. Yeah, I think you're uh, you're both right. And uh, Terrence, I, I read through the exact same thing you were reading through and the way they explained it is that. It's not like if you click on, if you click on something and let's say that, uh, you know, you click on a, a liberal video. Well, the next thing it's going to give you is like the most, you know, uh, socialist thing you've ever seen on the internet. It's a gradual shift. Like, so you click on one and maybe it takes you, you know, 2% further to the left. Uh, and then you click on that and then that takes you 2% further to the left. And then, you know, so ultimately over time, you now get into where like, wow, what am I looking at? And then, you know, on the same token to the right, you know, you look at something that might be a little bit, um, you know, um, you know, conservative or, you know, or center right, but you just keep clicking and over time it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then when you look at it overall, there is a tendency to push you a little bit to the right, um, which is with this, uh, you know, with this survey or this study is actually showing that it's like I said, it's not, it's not going to take you, you know, from one to a hundred and one click, but it might take you from one to two in one click. And over time, you will just see that you have gotten, you know, narrow and narrow, um, you know, into the things that are ultimately going to make them money because that, that's what Google wants, um, with YouTube. That's what Twitter wants with Twitter. That's what Instagram once with Instagram, they want you to stay in the application as long as you possibly can. So whatever they can do to get you to stay in that app, which is ultimately how they're going to make their money, they're going to get their signals when you're in the app. They're going to sell those ads when you're in the app. As long as they're doing that, they're going to try to keep you there as long as they possibly can. And these are the kind of things we're going to see from it. But I just thought it was really interesting that you have Republicans and you know, we're going to say, cause this is the RNC. This is the Republican national committee. They're suing over what they think the algorithm is doing. Um, you know, you know, to them as far as spam is concerned when it's actually people training the algorithm to do it. But when it comes to the actual algorithm, they probably have no problem with that because it is, you know, according to the study pushing you ever more so to the right. And so, and but maybe um, this is just me speculating here. Maybe a lot of conspiracy theories in general, um, and not just the conspiracy theories in general, not anything, um, conservative or liberal, not anything, you know, science related, uh, just conspiracy theories in general. Maybe there's a correlation to the people who tend to believe conspiracy theories. So these are the people who will go on YouTube and, and go down the rabbit hole, proverbial rabbit hole, because they tend to believe conspiracy theories. Maybe there's a correlation between people who believe in conspiracy theories and people who are right leaning. I'd be interested in that study, but that's kind of like what I'm getting out of this, that people who love conspiracy theories tend to be right leaning. Is that because... They believe whatever they see. I don't know what that what the background is, it, but it'd be interesting to do a little bit more digging on that. But that's just me. And I ain't doing it. So I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah. So, y'all, it wouldn't be right to have both cast members from Snob OS on the tag John. And we not talk about something that Apple has released. So there's there's new iPads out. Um, and I want one. So I figured what better time to get y'all to tell me about what's going on 
with the new iPads. I did go out and look at on the on the actual 10th generation iPad. I looked at some of the specs. So what is it? 10.9 inch screen. Uh, 12 megapixel uh, ultra wide selfie cam um, that's in the middle of the screen. Now they, I know they changed that. Um, the uh, storage is 64. I don't know why they make iPads with that little bit of storage. That's not enough to do anything. Um, 10 hour battery. Uh, but you know, basically they just improved what was already, I think a pretty good device. But uh, what do y'all think about these new ones? Well, I will say um, for me, I am more of a pro user. I currently have the, First generation, I think, uh, iPad Pro 11 inch. And I am definitely getting the new iPad Pro that has the M2, uh, chip in it. Um, I've been in the market for a minute and, um, you know, it's time. I've had the original one since it first came out. So I want a new toy. So, um, they are actually available to order now. Um, when they were announced, uh, last week and available for shipping and pickup, uh, on Wednesday. So, um, I'm definitely, uh, in the market for the, for the pro. As for the regular version, um, I think with this latest, um, this latest instance, at, like you said, you, you kind of gave some specs at the, at the top. It is a, um, good device particularly for those who are a couple of generations older or in the market to get a new iPad. Um, the new iOS for, um, well, the iPad OS um, just came out today. Um, so it's one of those things where, you know, if you get the newest iPad, you'll get the latest and greatest um, iPad OS software that goes along with it. So it'll probably, you know, kick your experience up a notch. So, it sounds like, well, not sounds like based on our conversation prior to the show, Rob, you have some questions about the price. Sounds so, yeah, like, so uh, like, you know, I was always just thinking that like the regular iPad was going to be, I don't know, 350, 380, somewhere in that, in, in that range. And it jumped way up in price. Now, um, I'm thinking I could get like a older iPad air that is still a really nice, you know, piece of hardware. It only costs, you know, you know, 10, 20, $30 more than this. Um, it, I don't think that's the 22 iPad. I think it'd be like the, you know, the uh, 2021 version. But, um, that was what my question was. What would you go with? Would you get, you know, this new iPad 10, 10th generation, or would you just go with, you know, one of the older, uh, iPad airs, you know, just for a few dollars more? Well, so the main differences between this new one and pretty much any one before that, with the exception of the air, uh, which is an M1, which is one I have. I have an M1 MacBook, um, MacBook, an M1 iPad Air. Um, the differences with this iPad, I think, is enough to justify the price. I think the old iPads are 329 versus this one starts at 449, which is a little bit, a little over, well, a little bit over a hundred dollars. But the fact that the iPads have the newer generation have a 12 megapixel front and rear camera. So whether you're doing FaceTime, uh, Zoom, whatever the case may be, or you're actually <laughs> taking pictures with your iPad, which I guess there's still people out there to do that. Uh, maybe let, well, let me not say take pictures, scanning documents. How about that? Mm. <laughs> you scanning documents with the <laughs> rear camera. You get 12 megapixels front and back. It's Wi-Fi six and it's 5G. Uh, the previous uh, generation iPads do not do Wi-Fi six and they only do uh, 4G LTE. Uh, with this one, you get up to 256 gigs of storage, which I think the, uh, previous ones was only 128, maybe. Um, and then the other one was, uh, this is USB-C. Uh, so it's not lightning. So it'll, it'll, if you have a newer Mac, if you have pretty much any newer smartphone, uh, Google, uh, of course not iPhone because they haven't dropped the lightning yet. But if you have in your specific case, Rob, you have Android tablets, you have, uh, Samsung phones. This iPad is also going to be USB-C. So you can use the different cables, use the different outlets. And the other one was it is, um, touch ID. Uh, it uses touch ID via the side button versus the previous generation had the home button on it, which took away from screen real estate. Mm -hmm. So now you've got less bezels because they don't have to put that home button there. They've put the home, the touch ID on the side button. So if you add all those up, 
I personally think it's worth the extra hundred or so dollars to pick up the newer one versus staying with the old one. Unless, I mean, if money's a big driver, then it don't matter what I just said. <laughs> yeah, like I said. And I, what you're going to use it for. Um, This would be my tablet that literally just sits around and I pick it up when I'm on the couch. Like, you know, it, w- it would be the coffee table tablet that, you know, just replacing my older. I think my iPad that I have now is a maybe a fifth generation. So it's, it's, it's a bit long in the tooth. I've had it for a minute. Um, and I've had to repair it. I, you know, I, I told this on, uh, one of my other shows that's my podcast. I have this thing with leaving iPads on the top of my car and then driving off with them. So they end up in the, you know, in the drive or in the middle of the street. So I've done that with a number of, uh, devices. So I've had to have this one fixed. So it's not, it doesn't even have all original, uh, Apple parts in it. So, um, it's time for me to get a new one. And, um, you know, so I've been thinking about that. I've also been thinking about that M2, uh, like, like you, Mika, uh, Nika, I'm sorry, uh, that, uh, I've been thinking about that in the M2 version. I know that there's really no difference between the M1 and the M2 other than, I believe, the, uh, then the chip. Um, I think that's the, the biggest difference that you're going to see, but I heard that you're going to be able to run like DaVinci Resolve on that. So you could actually do some serious like video editing on this device. So I was like, huh? That- well, well, um, the iPad Pro, you got to step up for that. No, no, that's what I'm talking about. I, I would actually step oh, okay, up to okay. the, you know, to the Pro. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. Uh, okay. You know, to, you know, to go with that. But the other thing is well, that if you're gonna, if you're gonna do that, you might as well get a MacBook. Uh, that's like the that. thing because yeah. it's like these things are not inexpensive, and it's like you know, uh, so so in the pre-show I was talking about, I was telling you guys that I really, really uh, think that I'm about to pull the trigger on this MacBook Mini, uh, or excuse me, this. Uh, um, not MacBook Mini on the uh Mac, Mac Mini. Mini, and I've talked about it before uh, all the way back at the beginning of the summer, and I didn't do it. I ended up going with another big tech purchase, um, and, and didn't make uh, the trigger on that. But I'm coming back to it, so that's the thought. It's like if I was to get a, you know, get a, you know, the M2, should I just get like a, <laughs> like a MacBook and be able to run all the apps that I want to run? So I, I really have not answered, uh, you know, my questions yet, uh, you know, <laughs> on this. Decisions to it's make. just like <laughs> decisions, but I can't be like y'all and just get everything to come out. Um, you do, you, it just ain't an Apple. You get, you get stuff. It just ain't, uh, Apple branded. You ain't gonna put my business you know, on the street Apple, like that. <laughs> Apple, Apple, Apple people who buy stuff sight unseen get this raw, this weird sheeple. I think they call us sheeple. Mm-hmm. When we, uh, when we buy stuff, you know, first day, you know, as soon as it's available, we're up at three o'clock in the morning, fresh and refresh, like sneaker heads, right? But we do some, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so we kind of get a a, a bad rap. But, um, I'm telling you, man, I, like I mentioned in the show, I've got an iPad Air and I'm using it as a second monitor for my, um, MacBook right now recording this show. And then in addition, and it's just seamless. I don't have to connect nothing. I don't have to set nothing up in the settings. It just don't work. Uh, for those who follow snob OS, um, I've been talking at length about how much I spent on this quote unquote DSLR of webcams and I don't like it. So when the Mac OS Ventura dropped today. I hurried up and installed it because one of the main features that I wanted was the continuity camera. And the continuity camera is I don't have to connect it, even though I did connect it with a wire because I didn't want it to lose power. But if I just hold my iPhone next to my MacBook, it'll automatically recognize, oh, this is a dope camera. You may want to use this as your webcam and it just works seamlessly so much so that I've got an iPhone 12 right now that's using the I'm recording the video for this show right now using an iPhone 12 camera. And it is much better than this three hundred dollar mirrorless DSLR webcam. So much so I'm going to pack this joint up in a box and put it on eBay (laughs) Because the point I'm trying to get at, the whole point I'm trying to get at is if you're in the ecosystem, the stuff just works. So, yeah, you can call me a sheeple all you want to. But the fact that I can I can record and use different cameras 
and I don't got to set nothing up. I ain't got to download no third party apps. I ain't got to hack nothing. I ain't got to uh, tweak and, and, and test and switch. And yeah. to, I just, it just, I just move stuff in the proximity and it all works. You know, no, no extra setup needed. So there's something to be said about that. So if you want to call me a sheeple, fine, that's fine. I just want to reiterate and uh, make sure I, I want to understand what you just said. So you said that you can take your iPhone 12 now that you've updated to what, what is it? Mac OS. What, what version Mac, Mac OS 13 is the actual number, but everybody calls it Ventura. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you can just take your iPhone 12, get it mm-hmm. close to your Mac mm-hmm. and it recognizes it and you can start using your video camera. As a regular old do you want to use your do you want to use yep. your iPhone as a webcam? Click yep. a button. Yep, yep. That's pretty dope. Yep. Um, that is pretty dope. Now, I'm 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 actually using a real DSLR for you know for my camera. I'm not changing that, but I can see a lot of folks who would have that issue. I'll I'll just tell a little story. So my uh, my oldest daughter. Um, she is, uh, you know, very close to becoming a, uh, you know, an adjunct, excuse me, adjunct professor at the University of Bowling Green or Bowling Green State University, however you say that school. That's, you know, that's uh, where she actually graduated from. And one of the things that she wants to do, uh, you know, she's going to be teaching a web course. So she, she's really into, okay, dad, I want to get all my live streaming stuff going because I just want to look better on camera than just using the little, the logic, like she, she, I think she's using like a Logitech C920. So that's not a bad camera, mm-hmm. but it looks like a webcam. It doesn't look like you're on a DSLR. It doesn't look nearly as clear as you are right now, uh, Terrence using your iPhone camera. So I was, she was like, so dad, what should I get? So she's like literally throwing out cameras that are anywhere from like eight, $900 up to like $2,700. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We may not need to do that. She recently just switched back from iPhone. She, she was an Android user, used Android for, you know, for years, decided she wanted to try an iPhone. So I think she, uh, probably had three iPhones. Her last iPhone was the iPhone 12. Um, and now, and she does have a Mac. So I got to holler at her and say, hey, before you go buy a camera, let's check it out and see uh, whether or not this actually will work for you. Because I'm thinking right now, you know, Terrence, I'm just looking at you on camera. It looks fine. I literally thought you were still using that mirrorless joint that you you know were using before. Um, and like I said, this ain't even this ain't even my 14 Pro Max no. with the better camera. So I can imagine taking this joint and putting it up there. But I wanted to have it if I need to read notes or you know, do whatever while I'm actually on the show. So I've got an old iPhone 12 sitting around. I was like, Hey, let me make sure that's on iOS 16.1. Let me make sure my Mac is on Mac OS 13 Ventura. And I mean, it just works. And it's like, this is the best webcam that I've got in the house right now. Of course, I don't have a, a DSLR. If you, if you go spend a thousand dollars for those Sony, uh, blogger cameras that they call them, I don't know yeah. the actual, Model Z- numbers, ZV1, ZVE10. Yep. Yeah, those yeah. are thousand dollars, but that's just a camera. I can use my phone that I only paid six, seven hundred dollars, and it makes phone calls. I can send text messages. I can pr- browse social media. I can run a business off my phone, and if I want to, it could be a good webcam versus the Sony cameras. They're great for blogger cameras when you're out doing vlogs and you're out, you know, but if you're sitting in front of like, if you're like us, you're going to be running podcasts or you're going to be creating courses, you know, or you're going to be doing video from an office. I mean, you can spend six, seven hundred dollars and get you an iPhone and a Mac. And as long as they're on the right uh, software, I ain't got to spend no more extra money. Oh, yeah. We have taken notes. Yeah, and I've one. been in the market for a new um, web camera. My DSLR it does not support um, the apps that I use to use it as a webcam. And so it's one of those things where I was looking and I was looking at a couple of the Sonys because that seems to be the best streaming uh, camera. Um, I have, I'm using now just a Logitech, I think it's a 922 Pro something or other. And um, I'm going to get everything uh, upgraded tonight and try out the, um, the, the 12, cause I do have my 12 that I just upgraded from. And, you know, that's what I'll, um, when we do our show this week, that's what I'll be recording from to 
to see how it looks, even though I kind of see now with Terrence doing it. But yeah, mm-hmm. so it's, it, it saves me what seven, eight hundred dollars because phone I already have. All right. No, I'm, um, so I'm, I'm just going to give you all a little promo. So, uh, our listeners, you have to go check out, uh, you know, the, uh, Snob OS cast, um, and, uh, yep. and see and, and go check it out. I want to, I want to look and see the difference because Terrence, like I said, I didn't realize you changed cameras. Your old camera, it looked as good as what you are, you know, looking right now. You just said you I had problems with it every single week. I had, so. I had problems every single week. And then when I go back and like edit the videos, when I put them up on YouTube, I can tell the difference with that camera that I was using before versus this one. Like just looking at it right now, again, like y'all said, I look fine, but I can, oh, when I was looking at myself, I could tell the, it wasn't as clear. Um, the zoom would change every once in a while. I'd have to stick my hand up and make sure the zoom refocus real quick. So it was just stuff that I had come accustomed to messing around with these other cameras, you know, versus I can just use something I already have around the house now and they give me the best quality, you know? So what I'll do is like you said, promo, if you want to check out snob OS cast, uh, we'll be, we air every Friday. <laughs> we be recording on this Thursday. I'm going to actually hook up both of these cameras and I'll have a third person in the, in the stream. And I'm so, so maybe, uh, I'll be able to look and actually tell differently, but anybody watching, I'm going to see if we can do a little experiment and see if they can tell the difference between which one is the official webcam with the, all the features and which one is just an iPhone 12 on a tripod plugged into my Mac. Okay. So, uh, see, this is why I love doing this show. I, this was not in the notes. I did not know I was going to get all this knowledge on the cameras. I thought y'all was going to tell me about the iPad. I'm still confused as heck on which iPad I should get. So Wayne is telling me, uh, that I probably should just go ahead and get the 10 since I don't upgrade that often. I can hold on that for, you know, for a few years and be good with it. That, that might be a, you know, a great suggestion. But what I'm really walking away with is that I got to go ho- holler at my baby girl, um, and let her know, Hey, before you go buy this, Pull out that old iPhone and see Not if, you know, one. see if this actually, you know, suits your needs. And, uh, we can talk about this in the, um, you know, in the after party a little bit, uh, because, uh, um, Nika, I am using, um, both the ZV1 and the ZVE10. So I can tell you about both of them. I mean, they are awesome for what they are for. But, um, like I said, they could be overkill if all you're trying to do is a talking head video. So, uh, so yeah, we can talk about that in the after show. But, uh, as I'm looking at the clock, y'all, it is uh, time for us to start wrapping this up. Um, but before we do, um, want to give shout outs to our new patrons. We had talked about uh, Patreon um, at the beginning of the show and being able to watch our live stream and join our after party, uh, you know, after the fact. Well, at the end of the show, we always talk about it again. And we shout out everyone who gives us raises and everyone who becomes new uh, Patreon. So first name I want to sh- um, give a shout out to is Bill Reuter. He actually joined right as we were recording last week. Uh, so I didn't get to shout him out last week because I shut all my notifications off and just didn't see it until we were actually done with the show. But he became a patron last week and we also got two raises. So, um, you know, Patrick Pierre Luis, uh, has given us a raise and then Mark Biggie Bouge has given us a raise as well. So we want to give a shout out to, to you folks. And once again, we want to thank everyone who was supporting the tech, John, allowing us to do what we do and bring, um, you know, this version of tech news to you every week. So once again, if you want to support us, head over to Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash the tech John. That's the tech J A W N. And any one of our tiers over there will get you access to our live stream and our after party. And of course, you'll get a shout out at the end of the show. So with that, uh, Nika, why don't you go ahead and tell the folks about you and how they can get at you? I am pretty much at Tech Savvy Diva everywhere on social media, but I spend most of my time over on Twitter. So you can definitely catch me over there. And I am the other half of the Snob West podcast. So you can definitely check us out live streaming on Thursdays and um, uh, shows on the on your podcast feeds on Friday mornings. Yep, and you can find me also on the Snob OS cast. Definitely follow us there on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. We are at Snob OS cast. Uh, you can also go to snoboscast.com, get the latest episodes, find us wherever you get your streaming podcasts. And when I mean everywhere, I just mean Apple, 
and Google and Spotify. <laughs> well, not even Spotify. Uh, Amazon. Amazon. Actually, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We stream on Amazon. We got a, we got a thing with Spotify. So we even, we, we got some beef with them. Not personally. <laughs> Anything did to us, but we didn't like how they rolled. So we had to switch over to Amazon. So that's where you can find us there. And like I said, you can find me everywhere at Brother Tech. It's B-R-O-T-H-A-T-E-C-H. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we also are at The Tech John on all the things. So just come check us out pretty much wherever and holler at us. And of course, uh, we've got a pop in our Discord, uh, for any of our Patreon, uh, Patreon uh, supporters, I should say. So, uh, so come check us out there as well. Until we meet in a week's time. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Peace. Peace.